mouth is already set at best. This is the best, the best of it. The best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Welcome to Best of the Best Podcast with myself, Connor Keys. Alongside me is uh, the one and only Mr. Ronan Mullen. Not the best voices today. Not the greatest of voices, no, I will admit. Um, but struggling and just getting through it like we soldiers. Soldiering on for our <laughs> art. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we are here with... Um, the mighty opus, uh, the one, that, the, uh, the one that got away, the number ten that never happened, the number one, <laughs> the number one, the number one the that number became one. maybe number ten, and then there's now finally number sixteen. Sixteen. So uh, yes, Sopranos, the Sopranos, the HBO's uh, television show, um, set in New Jersey, um, which is uh, follows the lifestyle of the modern day mafia. Um, a, a, a subset of uh, of the New York families is a, a smaller family uh, based in New Jersey, headed up by uh, Tony Soprano. Uh, Not initially, but as we get to know it, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes to the main character of the show, uh, yeah. this is he's, he's a sort of the, the head guy. But um, the show itself started off with a guy, David Chase, mm-hmm. created and, and wrote the. Uh, Wrote uh, every episode. Well, he and, was involved some, in the writing and pretty much notoriously was very hands on. But you can read that as, yeah, don't fuck about with my don't story. With his, his baby, uh, showrunner is I think what they call yeah. him in America. Yeah, show. yeah. Showrunner is the guy that may not write every episode, but every episode is run by him um, because it's their creation. Uh, and I mean, what a creation! Yeah, he he was he was involved in Hollywood for quite a while. He had won Emmys on different TV shows, and he was um, already, already a well-respected producer. Uh, he'd worked on... The only thing we would know over here is Northern Exposure. You remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of the writers and people that he took to The Sopranos came from Northern Exposure, but he was um, he was sort of at a loss. Even though he was successful, he was just sort of like... He was handed this idea um, from his own... Uh, well, obviously, he, he was like everybody else, interested in organized crime and the mm-hmm. mafia in particular. But he he had a very difficult relationship with his mother, to which he went to therapy about. Mm-hmm. And he thought, wouldn't it be funny hmm. if I linked the two interests and it was only going to be a feature film, of which a lot of studios passed on, and HBO took the hit on film and the pilot. But what they realized was they couldn't just shoot a pilot of this. It, it need, we need to expand in this universe. Because yeah. even from the pilot, it's, it's quite huge what's going on. Well, if you take the sort of concept of it, uh, the concept, uh, yes, we talk about mafia, but it's um, what makes it unique is, for the first time ever, it 
delved into the psychology mm. of the mafia. Um, so, as you will know, if you're a, a long-term listener, you mm. would have uh, heard us uh, cover Goodfellas, and Goodfellas very much um, brought us into that light of um, the mafia and the lifestyle and all the rest. But we never really got into the then the damaging effects maybe that that is having on people and what that actually meant. Um, and nor did we see their family life. No. So Sopranos given a a, a a rare opportunity for those to to take a look into it because you, you we know the violence and the the murder and all the rest of, that is associated with mafia and organized crime, but you don't then see the issue of you know, running out of milk in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you, the, the basic things, the day to day, yeah, daily it, struggles. It, it it did a it made no bones about from its initial from the initial few scenes you see. And from most episodes, it starts off just in a family home or mm-hmm. in a relative's home or in your place of work or these boys are considered where they're just lying about <laughs> waiting for the day to end and go home. But yeah, it, it and I suppose in Goodfellas as well, there were so many scenes wrapped up in a two-hour film that they couldn't really go too deep no, or course, me yeah. and you couldn't speak about. It does touch on. Touches on family, but again, not, we, yeah. There, there was really no interest for me and you to talk about that during Goodfellas yeah, because no. there was just so much to, to dive into. But with this, it, it is from minute one, the get-go, you're at the family home. And yeah, and you're and, and again from the get-go, you're in the psychology of it, literally mm-hmm. because yeah. of, of uh, a therapist who very nicely leads us from Goodfellas to Sopranos, our first link from Goodfellas to Sopranos. Yeah. Miss um, Lorraine Bracco, yeah. who played Karen in Goodfellas, uh, is Dr. Jennifer Melfi in this who is Tony Soprano's therapist, which again is something within itself that you'd never associate with uh, the head of a crime family no. to be to be in therapy. But what is happening is, and this is what's great about it, um, and, and quite relevant to these days in regards to the anxiety and stress and stuff, is that he's having panic attacks. Yes. Passing out and collapsing and not knowing why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, well, it's fascinating to get it when they get into the detail as to what actually caused that um, and causes it mm-hmm. and the root of all problems of course <laughs> pure evil <laughs> pure pure evil, evil. Um, yeah it, it was it was sort of strange remember the film Analyze This with De Niro and Billy Crystal mm-hmm. yeah. it it had been developed way before The Sopranos okay um, David Chase had no knowledge of this there was a, a Rolling Stone article recently where he said that Basically, The Sopranos came out of somebody wanted him to write the Godfather TV show. Mm. And everyone went, that's a fucking stupid idea. Everyone, we said everything we want to say about The Godfather yeah. with the three films. Um, so no, that's poor. And that seed was sort of planted in his head. But what transpired was they were in a race to get the first episode out because this they didn't want people assuming that they... F- they copied this, analyzed this, because yeah. they had the pilot basically finished, and somebody went, you hear about this De Niro film? <laughs> it's going out. It's about a guy who keeps having to go to his therapist, and he's like, what? <laughs> but like you said, that that is the real good jumping off point, mm-hmm. but the TV show goes in four million different oh, kinds absolutely. from there. Yeah. It's yeah. not the crux of it, but it holds no. it together. It's a main theme, yeah. And it, it, it just gives you, well, obviously that's the point of it. It gives you great insight into Tony um, and and his background, and especially in regards to his mother. Yes. Um, the aforementioned evil. 
the evil uh, incarnate, as all mothers are. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> sorry, mine doesn't listen to it. No, yeah, do well, it. she doesn't understand it. That's right, she doesn't understand what we're saying. And, uh, even what we're saying? Even what we're saying, yeah. She Mine doesn't know what pods are. Pods? <laughs> so my, my, no, my man knew the podcast well. She, just, she, was in. she listened and went, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to rap. And like, I and I was like, "What do you mean?" And she was like, "No, you like, made I, me and listened to my voice yeah, all my life. How I, do you not know what I'm she, saying?" She's like, I, I, "Well, I heard you talking, and I know you're talking. I just don't know what you're saying." Uh. Uh, I was like, "You need to check. You haven't had a stroke, <laughs> <laughs> Mama." Um, yeah. So uh, the psychology of that, and that, and that the early seasons um, when we start off, uh, a big part of that then is again the the sort of ever more souring relationship between Tony and his mother, um, who is, is evil in this now. Yeah. You know, um, she's a, there was a great quote. She is the first to start the fight and also the first to play victim in the fight. Yes. Uh Oh, she had it. Yeah. That's that's her into a T. She had played everybody to her fiddle. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was, uh, so many different, angles in this we talked about this before that's why we we delayed on this we had to rewatch. even though i've i've seen it maybe that might have been my third time maybe sitting through start to finish but every time it's on tv you'll always flick it on you always you know well can we can we start do one of our put a pen in what you were going to say because can we start with one of our art our individual personal soprano tales Mm -hmm. do you remember when i started watching it Mm, no me and karen my wife and i were living in a flat in john street Mm-hmm. And I met you, and we were going to somebody's house for I don't even remember what we were doing going there. But you said to me, "Got the Soprano season three box set by backseat <laughs> job," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I hadn't watched one of them yet. And you were like, "Proper, we had to go back to your house <laughs> to get season one and two And you handed me them and went right when I finish this, which will probably be like tomorrow morning. <laughs> you have to start, and that's what started. I didn't remember that. That's though. what start. I remember you hand me them and me going back to the flat and going, Karen, this is the thing we have to watch. I was very lucky in that uh, my uncle Stevie, God rest him, um, he was sort of my, uh, maybe my biggest comedic influence in a way, but he was a big, massive Sopranos fan and I just happened to be in America. I think I went in 2000. <coughs> so it had just started maybe there in America. And we yep. might not even have had it over here yet. Ne- well, and 99, the 1st of January, 99 was the first, but it, its first rerun where it got mental mm-hmm. big, you're bang on. Right, well, I was there in 2000, and that's sort of where I got, uh, by pure chance, just I suppose, came up on it. Uh, but I think it would have, uh, it was something that was going to come along naturally. Yeah, and it would have Organically, it would have found its way, yeah. But thinking about the time, there was no opportunity for you to stream it. There was no opportunity. No, for that's it. You have to give context. Yeah, y- y- there was a DVD you had to go and buy in, a physical box, and these weren't no um, Sky Plus then, by no Sky Plus then. But these weren't uh, get the box set at Christmas forty pound for the whole season. These were forty five pound a season. Mm-hmm. So you really had to be committing to you were, this. Better yeah. be good because <laughs> yeah, oh, I can't sell this one on. Like, yeah, because nobody else knows what it's about or nobody's heard of it. Bought a lot of shit in my time too. Uh, was Steve Stevie was the wire too, wasn't he? Or was he? Uh, yes. Well, no, The Wire sort of came about after uh, after Sopranos for me. I, well, the, but no, but that's but a, I think it was... It might have been hung me the Wire sure. and The Shield, I believe. I remember you talking yeah, about The, the Shield. Shield was the thing as well, yeah. So, um, well, that sort of... Uh, HPO, I suppose we should start there. I mean, if we talk mm-hmm. about it, because 
controversially enough, you know, I would say it's the best program that HBO's done. Um, Without a doubt. Uh, and that's just my personal favourite of it. But I also know you've got The Wire, you've got Game of Thrones, you've got Oz, you've got so many things that are absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just for me, there's just that one wee step well, um, my, further for this. My wife said it best and continues to say it best. Every time you hear the HBO logo at the start of whatever TV show, <laughs> and it isn't Sopranos, you go, oh. <laughs> no, I swear and to that's, God. And that, I, I could be sitting watching that. Curb. I could be sitting yes, watching The Wire. Curb, and yeah. these are things that I adore and can watch every year. Yeah. without. But even though I know I'm watching The Wire, and I'm watching Curb, or I'm watching Larry Sanders' show, or I'm watching Oz, when that kicks in with that, um, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't start with Alabama 3, I go, that's oh, exactly. Tell your well, your your good beloved wife that. Uh, but she's right, and that's what from, I was that's talk from about. A I love hearing the of yeah. the HBO, yeah. but whatever's not even Game of Thrones theme and the rest, mm-hmm. great theme, blah, blah blah. But it's only whenever you hear the the, the theme tune, which we should maybe uh, first give nod to. I do believe as well, it's the best theme tune ever because it's I think it's one of the best songs. Well, yeah, they were gonna uh, they were gonna do like they do with the seasons of the Juice. And the wire, they were going to do a different song so, at the start of the season, yeah. And that's what where the juice and the wire got. That David Simon has said, the creator of the wire, I got that idea from the Sopranos because David Chase has told me mm. he wanted a different song every season. But when they they realized what that's going to cost, and they didn't know this thing was going to pick yeah. up, uh, they were like, "Now nah, we'll just stick yeah, to one stick." But it's someone to stick to, like <sighs> what a tune. Um, and a uh, very. Weird, uh, tedious link. Um, I don't really know if you know this, but um, so I used to serve Alabama three. In Wait a minute. You want to maybe rephrase that? Uh, in a bar. Okay. No, that's okay. Woo. Yeah. I used to. Okay. De- I used to deal Alabama three. <laughs> paint. I used to service them. Service them actually. <laughs> I would offer them no bother. Why have to? And this was. Uh, so this is um, in London, yeah. So we're in uh, their Brixton-based band. That's the reason they've uh, sort of congregated. Um, Cold Harbour Lane is in okay. Brixton. All right, I didn't know that. Um, so Exile in Cold Harbour Lane is where the album uh, is done. But yeah, so I how do I do this without getting incriminating? Uh, Did you inadvertently I, walk into no, the no, 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 no? Scenario here. I had a I uh, had an associate. Go. Who like to um, go on? <laughs> trade. Um, These are political words. Cash for Service. like powder and stuff. Yeah, McCarran. And wait, no, wait, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so I yeah had a guy who 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 knew a guy type of guy. Okay. And uh, he he worked in a bar in London. If anybody's surprised about this oh, at this Jesus point, Christ, like what the fuck? What I tell you? The whole fuck, fucking there was grannies in the place doing coke. What I tell you? It was fucking mental. <laughs> anyway, so this guy, um, um, obviously not going to name him, but he, uh, a great friend. But he he um, he ended up had been a roadie for Alabama Three. All right. In whenever they were very very first starting, and. Uh, Roadie slash security. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, then, boys. One of those jobs. Uh, and, uh, Accountant and murderer. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Alabama 3, uh, when I say Alabama 3, the whole band, obviously, so many, but Rob and, um, I can't remember the other guitar player. I'm, I know well, nothing about them at all. Rob Love and uh, uh, 
like I'm a guitar player, but they would have drank about the bar. You couldn't have missed them wearing a fucking cowboy hat and the fucking sunglasses on the Sunday afternoon and a long black coat. Like, you know what I mean? He, was, he didn't stand. He didn't, uh, it wasn't inconspicuous. Uh, but yeah, so I used to, um, on a rare occasion, had to serve them a few times. Only about two or three times, but one of the times I um, saved him from getting an awful eating from his wife because he had forgot to feed the child. <laughs> oh. He brought the child into the pub and was like, what about some dinner? And I was like, no, Jesus, there's nothing there. So... He went and ordered bacon fries for the child, and I was like, "How long? I'll go and ring the chef and see if we can get the fucking child something." Oh <laughs> so he loved me from that day on. Um, but yeah, Alabama Three, that 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 sort of theme tune. I mean, it made them to the point where they could, um, money wise, it was okay. They, they could eat all the bacon fries they wanted. All they wanted. We didn't have to suffer no more. Um, By the way, if bacon fry wants to sponsor this place, <laughs> me, me and this man here are more than happy. Fire happens. on, sir. Fire on. Fire on this camp he wants to if you but have weren't to. But weren't Alabama 3, didn't they always play over here? Because I remember during The Sopranos, they were always in Belfast They're, or Dublin. Yeah, or? big link over here. They always play. Um, always big fan base in Limerick as well. They're not, there's just, right. I just did a following all over. Um so yeah, that for them to get chosen is that uh, theme song. Um, woke up this morning, so go and check it out. Album three. Woke up this morning. Obviously, the long version, the, the, the full album version is. Yeah, that is works for me too because I've I've never listened to them at all. Oh uh, yeah, that at Cold uh, Exile and Cold Harbor Lane is a good album. But okay. uh, so for that, uh, totally agree with your wife. That after them credits or after that opening buzz, which we'll mm-hmm. play it again. Play the buzz just. Um, if it's not that, you're like, ah. Or no, if it's worse. Oh, fuck, guy. Sex and silly. But this is the point about the Sopranos and all these shows we're talking about HBO. HBO isn't just magically amazing. It it creates original content. Yeah, That's that's the point. It's not Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Belfast. It's not a thing that's already existed. It's all original content. Produced, uh, financed by HBO, but they let these showrunners like David Chase and these creators run wild. Like they, they create their own world. It's kind of just the maybe the only thing that's not censored, if you want to call it that. You know, it's like well, it's, it's, it's cable, it's cable, sub- cable so you subscription go, show. Like, you could go as network, as wide as you wanted. You could be as yeah. vulgar as you wanted. Um, well, fucking Oz, man! Oz kicked mm-hmm. it off. I think I think Oz is the one that kicked the doors in, but yeah. because it was limited to a prison, they were confined <coughs> physically and sort of fundamentally. They were, it was a restriction. But yeah. um, The Sopranos is where not just uh, cable television, but television in general, they call it the platinum age. This yeah. is when everything it's when television different. When television grew up, yeah. was the phrase we were using, they were saying, um, but it became the new cinema. It became the new, and Sopranos was beautiful as well to look at, as, yep. as well as anything else. Um, when you get into the characters, so we have to talk about Tony Soprano. Now, Tony is played by James Gandolfini, um, who has got the, the, the stature, mm-hmm. the, the walk, and more importantly, the fucking eyes yep. of just that turmoil that is trying to be put across uh, of the boss of a family trying to keep things. Two types of family. His own nuclear family in the house. His yep. wife has two children. Uh, AJ is the youngest son, or youngest one who is a son, and Meadow, the girl, is the eldest. Um, but then he has the other family, the crime family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gandolfini is just a, a sheer masterclass in acting. It's It's... It's said a lot, but it can't be 
overstated how important he is to this this thing we're building. It, it isn't just about The Sopranos as a TV show. No, definitely not. No. And it's not about the idea of family in television or the psychology of the mafia. It It is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most important TV character and most important television performance yeah. of the 20th century, without any doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the thing I want to say, and this is going to be maybe controversial too, because me and you will know, and any listeners who's, who, who are proper nerds will, will know that the box set sort of phenomenon came about long before Breaking Bad. Yes. There are certain, just a period of people who's like first ever binging of anything was Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. And to them, Breaking Bad is the pinnacle. And that's cool. Which is fair enough. I watched it and I thought, hmm. I, right. I was, I'm not a fan. Yeah, I was like three seasons. I was like, this is a bit sort of, you know. So, so he's a teacher and then he has to do this to get money and he's got cancer. What's different at the end? Nothing. No. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It's just, you know, so I, I never got it, but I understood that, that the, it was the zeitgeist, if you want to call it at that time. It was the one that everybody had talked about. But by the time that had happened, the likes of us, we were like, Six or seven years into oh, we were different deep. things, you know. Oh, so man. the time, the you know, Oz obviously might have been not a box set thing, but um, well, the Oz the only wire came, definitely. Oz was only box. came out as a box set when it was finished. Yeah. So we're talking about season to season. You're yeah. right. So it was the wire, the Sopranos, even twenty four to a certain extent mm-hmm. had been box set before, you know. But then Breaking Bad became then the, if you want to call it the mainstream sort of best uh, of the best. Anybody talked about Breaking Bad? So I'm sure. Hey? You're like, ah, did you see The Wire? No. Did you see Sopranos? No. You're like, ah, okay. I'm, re- I'm still, and I wanted to talk about it at the end, but I think it's sort of fitting. Now. I'm still really baffled by how many people, and I can name names here because I know they listen to this, but I won't because I don't want to give them any fucking publicity. <laughs> but if you've been told over and over again, now listen, I watch a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and you're the same. We would just watch a thing, knowing it's going to be shit, but we have to watch it to see it's shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of way. Mm-hmm. But in the same vein, we will watch and rewatch and overanalyze things we love. Yeah. So we're not we're not uneducated in this stuff. We know we know what we're talking about well, to an extent. Well <laughs> not everything. No. But yes, but I get where you're going for. For yeah. people to go, I don't know, man. And you're like, you won't watch mm. six seasons of which the six season is basically two seasons, it's extended. Mm-hmm. Of just Bliss, mm-hmm. never the same format. Every episode nope. different. It changes up so much, uh, in and so it's many got ways. so many tangents. And it's mm-hmm. just, if it's not just, it's not just a drama. It's not just a mafia. It's a comedy. It's a, it's everything. There. It's got everything you need. And it's, it's, and here's the thing. And that's what I'm saying. Back to the Breaking Bad thing. Um, you have to give it the context, and the, and and with the context comes kudos and praise because. I've said before, without Tony Soprano, there was no Walter White. No. There was no Don Draper, Mad Men. There was no um, Steve Buscemi's character in Boardwalk Empire. There was, not, there was none of those leading men who were kind of the Dexter, like the anti-hero thing, where mm-hmm. you've seen the psychology behind it. That would not have happened. None of those characters would have got Even the Lannisters, man. Yeah, none of that them. That doesn't exist. They don't exist without Tony Soprano. It, it, you can't sell it? No. And... People go, oh, Jesus, that's a bit fucking, that's a bit much. Like, no, 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 can't, no. You can't go, stress enough. Go on the context, yeah, and go back and see. Look at the writers, the interviews with the writers. Type in, what do you call him, Breaking Bad, Vince Gilligan? Gilligan, yeah. Put him in and type in Vince Gilligan on Sopranos and watch 
how much he is as big a fan as we are mm-hmm. of The Sopranos, and it's the reason that he could do what he did with confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And he could sell it. And he wasn't on a cable network. He was on AMC. Uh, AMC, yeah. yeah. So he, he was on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't a subscription service. He was on TV. Yeah. So you you really have to give it contact. But again, right back to it, Gandolfini. Yeah. He, he, Gandolfini sells it. It's just a... Even if you speak to, or hear, hear of... Speak to him. I was just chatting David Chase. Right there. When you hear um, Chase and... Uh, uh, Interviews, Iodomenka said the first day when Gandolfini first read, he read the part, stopped reading and started complaining, going, no, 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 sorry, that wasn't right, I want to do that again, blah, blah. Before he even got that done, the guys were like, we knew it was him. Yeah. We just knew it was him from the very start. Do you remember Um, where they got him from? Or where they picked up that he could play this brooding, foreboding? It was a, is it? uh, True Romance. True Romance. Remember he plays the guy who goes hunting down for? Ah, Yes. And uh, he beats the shit out of Patricia Arquette. Yes. So that's, yeah. And because so, that, that, that's probably fitting, because I've seen somewhere it was Jul- uh, July 97 was when the pilot was first filmed. Mm. So that's pretty early. That is a bit of a while. Um, it didn't actually get, I think it was like it aired in 99, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so 90, July 97 is when they filmed the, the pilot. I'm not sure about the rest of the first season, but uh, so yeah, that was that was right early on. Um, we'll, we'll sort of. We'll talk about his, his home family first okay. before you go into the, the, the boys. Um, so you've got Carmela, um, his his long-suffering wife, um, played magnificently by Edie Falco. Yeah. Who was also in Oz. Who was also in Oz. Who won the prison guards in Oz. And um, the, the chemistry between the two of them is just unbelievable. You know, yeah. she's... You kind of get that, uh, we're going to reference Goodfellas again, there I am, but I mean, the Karen element in Goodfellas. Um, yeah. This is the more uh, soccer mom element, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Like, you never seen that in Goodfellas. you never you seen the, the stress and the chaos and all the sort of trying to survive. But what happens when you have the big mansion and you have the big rings and you're living in the 2000s mm-hmm. uh, and you're... Your kids are at school, and how do all their parents treat you? How are you treated by the principals and the teachers and all that sort of stuff? So, she plays that to an absolute T because she is ultimately still uh, a gangster's wife. Yeah. Well, uh, funny link there is that Lorraine Bracco, who played Karen in Goodfellas, who's Dr. Melfi, uh-huh. they wanted her as Carmela. Right, okay. So, she auditioned for Carmela, but then went. I, can't, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to be yeah. that person again. But then found that the Melfi character was great. And uh, the, the actor who played Bobby Bacala, he actually, on Joe Rogan's podcast, he's talking about she has the best job in show business because she only filmed one day an episode. All her. And she's one of the most memorable characters. And mm-hmm. She's only... Yeah, she just sits in the chair. There's a few episodes where she has an extended sort of uh, role. But yeah, more or less. She, she only ever filmed one day an episode. Brilliant. Whereas, like, Tony and stuff were doing 16-hour days. Yeah, and uh, that's the thing. If you're looking behind Gandolfini and, and his craft as such, he was meticulous. He was constantly retaking, redoing, and making sure it was right. Um, and, so and and I would say Edie Falco seems to be more of a professionally trained actress. Yeah, they were saying that she just went straight in. 
she she had it. Mm-hmm. She right couldn't away. get it out of her head. Uh, in fact, she was chomping at the bit to get tomorrow's scene. Yeah. Because she had the whole thing done. It was all in her head. She knew what was coming next. So she was the pro of pros. Uh, but, and again, not to do, not to be overly sexist, Edie Falco, there, there is, without that dichotomy of them two, there's no show. No. This doesn't exist. You can forget everybody else. If those two didn't yeah. work, you this, needed, this, this is fucked from the go. You needed to find Tony's anchor mm-hmm. in the middle of it all, and she was absolutely um, the anchor. And because she's also a good mother as well. You know, yeah. she's a typical um, protective mother trying to see the, the children succeed. Mm-hmm. But also very aware of where the money comes from. Not Well, not actually aware of she, details. Yeah. But she's not stupid. She's not she thinking, knows it's not yeah. the bank. Like. Well, she knows it's not garbage waste disposal. Uh-huh. Which is what Tony's uh, official job title is. He's a garbage waste disposal manager. He's waste management. And yep. that's what the Wayans have to... Sometimes the children have to tell their friends at school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in waste management. He's in um, waste management. <laughs> and and uh, I remember the, uh, remember the episode where he actually had a good iron in work. I had work in the waste <laughs> place. <laughs> he, didn't, he was bored with an iron. Uh, so the two children then, we've got AJ, who is the, the son, and Meadow. So AJ's played by Robert Eiler. Mm-hmm. Um, we see him in season one where he's around... Eight or nine, yeah, years of age. He's he's quite every time he started again, he just I know he's pudgy. so fucking small and tall, tiny. Like and that that breakfast bar, he's barely seen over the he's top. Seen over the top, yeah. Uh, Meadow is, I would say, maybe fourteen or fifteen when it's season one. So we see them grow up, yeah, um, uh, th- throughout the seasons as well. And um, they picked well from the start because they didn't change the actors like most shows would yeah, end up doing. Uh, especially when they get into more um, meaty yeah. roles and more meaty storylines, they didn't have to change. They did very well. So Jamie Lynn, Jamie Lynn Ziegler is um, Meadow. Uh, and they, you know, again, this is back to the Meadow having to be the daughter of a, a gangster boss. Um, and then also the, the, the expectations on the son of a gangster boss. But... And this is where it changes, is that Tony doesn't want that for the children. No. Where you see in other films, everybody sort of passes that generational thing on. You can see now the modern day thinking of, I don't want this for my children. This is going to be, you know, get them educated, mm-hmm. get a different life. So it, it add, as I say, it adds, adds that family dynamic to what is ultimately organized crime. But again, all held together by Carmela. Yeah, absolutely. Who, the, the stick that breaks the, <laughs> the fictitious Tony's back. Yes. Uh, is always Carmela, and I think, to be absolutely fair, she can see. Well, clearly, there's there's not much history. We don't see much in the backstory of them growing up, teenagers, you know, young lovers, and all this. No. But what you do hear is stories, and she knew what he was up to when he was yeah, young. even back then, yeah. So yeah. that's the other thing. They're childhood sweethearts, um, yeah. kind of like what most of the mafia ones would do. They're married young, um, but again, she's married to the mafia, you know. So yeah. there are. Mistresses or goombas or goombars, um, which there's have a, been well, referenced there's quite a few and referenced in, in, in most mafia films, and especially in Goodfellas and, and Casino Network. Goombar is uh, the lady on the side, uh, and Tony has had one or a few sides in his time now. He's uh, ed off the side portions quite a few uh, minutes. The, the, the boy the boy knows how to get around now. He's uh, <laughs> and for a big lump of a boy for a big lump he, there's something sexy about him but for being a big unit you, like you know what I mean yeah. I, I try and 
I try and hold on to some desperate thought of maybe handing out a bit of sexy pheromones. Handing out a bit of Tony Soprano loving. <laughs> Tony S. Pheromone. Uh, the cologne for you. <laughs> but no, he, he does. And they're like Russian models and fucking yeah. like car showroom gear. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. The, the woman he's getting. It, yeah. And. Uh, there, uh, there is something about him. There's something, you know, he has, the, and that's, again, down to the superb casting, but he has that charm. He can turn that... Yeah, but... That's glint on, but you also know it's the bad boy thing. That's yeah, that's like. exactly. There's yeah. not much of an indicator to who these girls are picking when it's very obvious that yeah. they have mental health issues themselves, daddy issues, see men with power and immediately are attracted, and you're like... Mm. God love you. Uh, but he loves it too. He fucking loves a fucking dirty dog, boy. He loves it. Uh, which leads us then on to the lovely <laughs> segue into his other family, which is, we know, the Mafia. Um, and it kind of, the whole, the whole show does put a big spotlight on misogyny, and um, especially the patriarchy and the way it's set up and the way it uh, is explored in this is that you've got these men because obviously mafia all gonna be men yeah. who are uh if you want to i don't know what you would call it are they emotionally detached from women who aren't their wives mm-hmm. um one of the biggest key influences in that or key signs of that is they own a strip club um so a strip club called the bada bing which is real it's a real, strip is club? A real strip club, not called the Bada Bang, I don't think. But don't think it's called Bada yeah, something else, but uh, yeah, and gentleman's the, establishment, yeah, <laughs> wouldn't know what to look like now. Um, but it's a building, it's a building, say the roof, what are you, if you watch the film, you will know an awful lot what it looks like because they spend a lot of time there, it is their base as such. But what it does then is obviously because it's a strip club, you have a lot of topless women, uh, in the background mm-hmm. and around. And you know what it does obviously there's a lot of boobies you know long before game of thrones like a lot of boobies a lot of boobies a lot of boobies but and if this if the somebody's listening to this and they're like what are them boys on which psychology you know fuck off there's boobies in it a lot of boobies yeah so chance there's boobies in it. <laughs> <laughs> we can start listening to boys off now you go and just, just go and see the duddies uh but what it does is that you know it shows these men who who kind of treat the women as merchandise yeah they are property. They're property to be owned. Um, one of the storylines, one of the girls who needed uh, orthodontist treatment, needed mm-hmm. braces, and of course, it's almost what it is, almost like a pimp scenario. So, one of the guys pays the money to get the Silvio, Silvio, um, and he says it's usually for fake tits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she has like fucking railroad tracks, <laughs> so he he pays yeah. for her teeth. Uh, and because of that, then she she sort of owns them, and that that is across the board in most ways that they're 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 take advantage of the women, um, put them in positions where they're usually in debt to them in some way, and mm-hmm. the way they pay that back is by forcing them to strip or to uh, have sex with yeah judges, cops, lawyers, whatever mm-hmm. it's like as the mafia would do to try and keep people on side. But again, what it, uh, while other mafia type. TV shows or films might have skipped on that. They go into the detail of this too. What happens to 
the 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 stripper for instance and, and the debt and mm. what happens then if somebody maybe gets pregnant or you know all that yep. it goes into all that detail that you know that other people skipped over and uh it really does shine a it shines them in bad light you know none of them come out good no and that end of things you know um as flippant as we are talking about boobies in the background and all the rest but they they have no concern or care for women no. in the show at all no um even their wives, even to an extent, yeah. Um, um and it, it's sort of we're going to talk about our favorite episodes later, but there's one episode in particular where there's a contrast between the story you're just talking about and Meadow, and it's a bit close to the bone hmm. where you, you're having fun with the show and you, you start to feel a bit well, you feel like that from the start, to be yeah. fair. It's not, it doesn't shy away from, um, these are bad men, yeah, and they're doing bad things right across the board. It's not just you know mafia related. It's there. There are innocent bystanders. There are, uh, you know, I don't what what way do they refer to them? Civilians. Mm-hmm. They, they, anyone that's a target who gets hit, uh, who's a civilian or civilian that witnesses something, mm-hmm. and they have to try to shut them up. Um, if they're not involved in this thing of theirs, th- they are quite averse to you know whacking them, but they do. And it's it's horrible, like so. It's it's sort of like a when you're when you're watching the show and you do you do go down a rabbit hole of forgetting, yeah. And then something horrible happens, just shakes you out of it, and you're like, oh fuck. Uh, you're uh, yeah, yes. And that like, happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not just talking about it later. It happens a lot. A lot of times you are, uh, and they are the first TV show, not the first movie, but I mean they definitely used it to um, huge dramatic effect was something shocking happening in an episode you weren't going to expect yes where previously things were always left to a finale of a season it was a big mm-hmm. big end whatever you might have had something happen really on the second last episode yep. that you just were not expecting and no, you're watching no. it as fuck goes so um, and again we'll try and do that uh, as much as we can in spoilers and stuff but um, the the what it also showed us was the ins and outs of the mafia because you would sort of think in this day and age the mafia couldn't exist the way it did in the 60s and the 70s um, until you see then the inner workings of how uh, how it's done and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is garbage disposal as being the front for it as such. Um, it is legitimate business. It is a business happening. But what they're doing is a protection racket, ultimately, yeah. to garbage companies. Um, but then they're also involved in unions and yeah, it's all construction front. jobs. It's all, it's all you know, just to launder money. Even, even, the, even the actual way of how you do it. So, like... The no shows, so basically, if yeah. a, a construction company gets a big contract, um, there has to be five no shows, which basically means there's five wages being paid out for five boys who never turn up. Um, or if they are turned up, they're sitting in deck chairs, some themselves in the middle of the construction site. Yep, uh, but it shows you that sort of nitty gritty of theirs where the income's coming in, and they're constantly handing money over, they're constantly talking about, um points and how much vague is owed and mm-hmm. stuff like that because it's that's all of it it's the prostitution it's the strippers it's the gambling it's the dr- well drugs don't really come into it it's kind of back to that old well there was we one, don't touch really sort of thing yeah but there was a plot thread um with richie april and mm-hmm. junior were selling cocaine and the the dust but the dust well we should explain in the names of the, the family then we'll go forward so if tony who is um tony soprano you have his uncle uh, Corrado, also known as Junior Soprano. Uh, we have then his 
Consigliere, for anybody who would watch Godfather, will know that uh, mm-hmm. his closest right-hand man would have been Silvio Dante, mm-hmm. played by Stephen Van Zandt. Who little Stevie. Little Stevie, um, the guitar player for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Who also auditioned for the, for Tony. Oh, I didn't know that. And they were like, we, we can't give it to him because he's not a well-known enough actor. Yeah. But David Chase just loved him. Yeah. And he's seen him do like a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, speech uh, for someone mm-hmm. and he said he was such a character and he was you couldn't keep your eyes of him I have to get him in here somewhere and Stevie Van Zandt had actually wrote uh, a short story about uh, a retired gangster right okay uh, about Silvio called Silvio right. and he wrote him in as his own character uh, I mean I've an absolute, never acted before no, this is Obviously, this he's, been, is he's been on stage. He's been, and he's been since. And I'll tell you about it. I, I knew of Little Stevie. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd hear loads of live recordings of E Street Band, and they'll shout out Little Stevie, and I heard, yeah. I think there was something along there. And with the bandana, oh. man, I can see it in the record. Like, I didn't know. I'd never even seen the bandana. I just knew the name. I never, oh, you didn't? Oh, no, you didn't I never know his face? I didn't know what he looked like. Oh, I just okay. knew of Little Stevie. I think somewhere along the line, he did like a thing. I remember you two being involved in some uh, apartheid thing in the 80s. Okay. And it was like uh, about South Africa sort of thing and it was a Amnesty International album or something. Little Stevie was behind it and there was all this big talk of Little Stevie and I, so I just didn't know but then I knew it, he played for Springsteen but mm-hmm. I still didn't know he looked like. Right. So I didn't really know until about season three of Sopranos until a video of Springsteen came up and I was like, what the fuck is Silvio doing playing the guitar? <laughs> Get off stage, Silvio. <laughs> Silvio, like, take that bandana off of the boy, see? He'll fucking uh, cap you. It's more like... <laughs> you are whacked. It's more like, little Stevie, what are you doing? Trying to play a mafia boy? <laughs> Not the other way about it. Yeah. So, um, I know what you mean. It's just I, so natural. Oh, yeah. That you would have sworn he was a long-term actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never, ever saw it. So that, that's another wow factor too. And that's the, the sort of nice length of New Jersey and sort of Springsteen and all sort of stuff. Um, then you have uh, Polly Galtieri, Polly Walnuts, Polly Galtieri, who is played by Tony Sirico. Is it Sirico, Sirico, or Siriso? I've, I've heard three different. I think it's Sirico because I heard <coughs> somebody call him in an interview, so I'll just go with that. Go with that. Um, who is probably. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm going to say he's my favorite character, he's but mine. I, I think he is. Like, I mean, I think he's everybody's. He really is because he's such a he's such a bad bastard in in all the right ways. If that's I don't know how to describe him. It's just because he's a miserable fucker. He yeah. don't spend no money. He's older, so he's, he's one of the older. older guys. And uh, he's doing it the old school ways. He knows, and and everybody lets him do it. Yeah, which means they've seen it being done before, so it's okay. It's precedent. Yeah, and he he just knows how to he knows how to push the right buttons on certain people. He knows what he's doing, but as well as that, there's a there's a proper vicious side to him as well. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's proper angry. But some of the lines and some of the dialogue he got in that show was fucking amazing. Uh, I, I didn't know when uh, like Tony Tarico was. A full-on crime. I have a convicted felon. <laughs> well, the way, the way, what was he? But he said. Um, I was arrested 28 times, but only two convictions. So it showed you how good of an actor I was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is brilliant. You know, uh, and he, we see him early on in Goodfellas. And he appears in a few scenes in it. And it was then that Scorsese was going, really? He's been convicted of stuff? And then like somebody had to lean in and go, 
A lot of the guys in the set have been convicted of things. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Scorsese. Yeah. He's like, all right, I better not ask. Say not. Um, I don't know. There's, 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 there's too many caveats to Polly's fucking personality. It's, to it's, it's the, it's the remember the start of Pine Barns where he rings to get him to go and collect the money, and he's getting the manicure. <laughs> <laughs> he's just getting the manicure. Uh, so yes, Polly has. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, the love for his mother is 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 the the, the contrast between that and Tony and his mother. Yeah. Um, Polly will do anything now. I don't know. I never guess what Polly's age is, but he's late, mid late fifties. Um, yeah. So he's got the grey wings that's, that's, too, which is so distinctive. Like he's got the, yeah. <laughs> it just looks so fucking great. Um, but always so angry, and he's always fucking has <laughs> something, and he's always yep. you know, and he'll never miss a and never miss a dollar. Um, but here's a here's a clip. We'll try and play him here. There's so many quotes. I don't know where you'd even start, but I love this thing of uh, when. Uh, Tony confronts him about Christopher seeing him sniffing his girlfriend's uh, underwear. Just sniff that girl's panties. He told you that? Fucking baby. Gotta apologize. Hey, I'm not apologizing. You out of line. He's gonna marry the girl, for Christ's sakes. As of the wedding day, anything that touches a pussy is off limits. <laughs> what a fucking rule. I'm here to tell you one thing. You ever go whining to the big man again about shit between you and me, we'll have a problem, my friend. <laughs> well, Paulie gives you a warning like that. When you get that look in those eyes, you just don't do a fucking thing wrong. <laughs> Remember uh, when that... <laughs> what a justification, but until the wedding day, you know. Yeah, he goes, uh, uh, a major member of their family gets outed as potentially being gay. <laughs> and the uh, the crew are trying to figure out: Has there been any signs? Is there anything we need to? And uh, one of the crew turns around to Tony and says, "Tony, you know, if you think about it, the weight loss." And then Bolly <laughs> turns around and goes, "Fucking AIDS, <laughs> AIDS!" <laughs> but with this big maniacal sort of look uh, on his face, yeah. just so ignorant to actually how yeah, everything works. Yeah. Um, and he does go through some. I mean, he's got some great, absolute clinker lines. I don't know if he, uh, and and a lot of it's ball breaking, and slagging mm-hmm. like some of the stuff. And this will go back to what we talk about the, the comedy element that goes in through some of the uh, some of the episodes as well. Is that when they are busting balls and when they are having to go at each other and and, and having to crack it, it does be fucking brilliant as well. Because mm-hmm. each of the characters, no matter what, you still get this temperament of they're all violent fucks. Yeah, like at any time they will take a gun out and fucking shoot you in the mm-hmm. head, you know. So even their own internal fighting sometimes can be quite fucking. Yeah. You know, you don't know what's going to happen next or who you could get fucking jumped on. Uh, alongside Polly, then our next in line, if you want to call it that, is Christopher. Yes, and Christopher is Tony's nephew, uh, which we later find out isn't really Tony's nephew, but kind of one of those ways where he's Carmela's cousin, along the way. But yeah. you know. Um, Tony and his father were good friends and sort of became like a surrogate father to to, to Christopher after after his father passed away. Uh, or was shot, actually, by, a, shot. Shot by a cop. So you, you see this sort of uh, father-son type relationship in the mafia family, mm-hmm. and he struggles with it. Yeah. And the father-son relationship in his own family with his own son, he's struggling with it too. So you've got all that sort of the dichotomy. 
of all the things that's going on there, and um, and yet some of the issues are quite similar. Yeah, the themes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, you've got a lot of then. Uh, what do we call them? We talked about the love interests. We haven't got into them in detail, but the nemesis, if you want to call it that, the people that Tony internally and externally from the family, because we should explain that maybe that this is a New Jersey family, not part of one of the five families no. of New York. No. New Jersey, and the New York people sort of looked down upon them as being a, a glorified crew. They're not really a family. They, um, they only really intersect when a building... Yeah, something across the water is happening. Uh, it's, linked, yeah. it's linked between the two, and that's the only time that yeah. they inter- interact with each other, but... They all know each other from the relationship between the New York families and New Jersey families. They all grew up together as well. Yeah. So you can clearly see that the young kids were meeting up when the fathers were meeting up, you know, that yeah. sort of way. So Tony isn't actually the head of the family, per se. No. He is the main character of the TV show. But in the, the main in factor, the, the boss, of New Jersey boss, was Jackie April. Mm-hmm. Jackie April then gets sick. Um, he passes away and it goes to Junior. But then a court case appears and Junior gets put away and Tony takes the mantle. So this is basically the growth and the power struggle within their own family, uh, which later uh, manifests itself in a power struggle between New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And Junior, played by uh, Dominic Cheney's. Chianese, 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 uh, again another great, uh, a great part played by a great actor, um, a really ju- old guy, really old guy, who's always old, who's always old, this whole yeah. season he is old all the time, uh, and we see Junior sort of, uh, he never gets young, no, never, not Benjamin Button, well he does, fucker. it shows him as a younger man, and yeah well that's right yeah. Uh, but what it does, it shows you the relationship they sort of had um, and, and, and Junior's decline, I suppose, in regards to old age. Without giving any spoilers away, uh, we die when we get old. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, there was no, what, what else is going to be happening with his life when he's <laughs> that age? It's, it's, it's not surging. getting very much healthier. No. Uh, but, you know, again, some great, uh, some great lines, some great deliveries. He's such, a, such an old school head. Um, Easily led by Tony's mother, which will be his sister-in-law. Well, let's, let's, let's just stop at Junior for a minute and talk about Olivia. Yes, so Tony's mother, Olivia. Yeah. That's sort of the, the, the reason behind it all. Everything bad, you, if you haven't watched this, and everything bad psychologically you think a parent can do to a child. Oh, yeah. Olivia is the manifestation of pure evil. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um. It's it's nearly impossible to <laughs> to put into words how horrible she is to absolutely everyone. Everybody. And I think it's down to the genius of the writing and, and as you say, Chase, with his own experience, but because the audience are totally into what she's doing. Yeah. Not everybody around her is into what she's doing, how cute or how smart she is. Mm-hmm. But because you are as you're watching it, everything she says to somebody is loaded in some way mm-hmm. about something with some agenda to something. There, there's always every single thing, no matter when it is, no matter at her most yeah. highest or lowest, she's got some fucking agenda hidden somewhere. It's not that 
nice and softly, softly joke with a jag. I'm saying it to help you. No. It's always a jag. Yeah. It's a, it's a statement yeah. that's hurtful with more hurt <laughs> behind <laughs> just, it. Just to bring you up to speed. Like, yeah. Uh, and it played very, very well. Now, we, the the actress the, the, that played her. There's a bit of a problem here with what happened. You see, uh, David, the lady came in and said, the actress came in and said to David Chase, um, Nancy Marchand, she said, I've actually been diagnosed um, and I'm I'm not got much time to live, so I'd like for this to be something special. So David Chase deliberately wrote extended episodes for her. She was meant to die midway through season one, mm-hmm. which I can't imagine because no, it really because you needed to see that you needed to see her in action. How bad it yeah. actually was. Yeah, and this wasn't just a big man child over exaggerating. Exactly. Yeah, mommy didn't like me. Yeah, uh, you seen the evil there, and it was, but it also really helped the audience come on side with Tony. Yeah. Which, you yeah, know, even it, despite what he's done or what yeah, he's and about all to do. And or, how, how badly he treats Camilla and how much cheating and all the rest. He still sort of went, fucking poor old bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she played it to an absolute T. But, I mean, you're talking then, do we go into season, I think it was season two, she, she passed away season in two. real life. Yeah. And then, uh, in the show then, so they did do one episode yeah. Where they sing, yeah, I know they had to close things up. Her, no, um, her. The, the poor actress passed away in the middle of a break between two seasons. So then, in the first season, I think of episode three or, or first uh, episode of season two. three or two, is it? Two. They uh, they had to sort of superimpose her head, her a clip of her from a previous with episode, with different audio onto the body of an actress sitting in the chair. But they tried to use like the light from the window behind to cut that there's a, a distinctive difference between the body and the head. And yeah, it, and it don't work. No. Um, but it, it sort of gave a bit of closure to Tony, and I think they had to do that because otherwise it would have been lingering on forever that everything he did for the rest of the seasons was down to his mother. Mm-hmm. So this way he got to bring her flowers and got to sort of try and put the olive branch out, and then she passed away, and that was a sort of at least. I tried kind of thing. Yeah. Um, wasn't great to watch. Not very well done, especially now when you see it. It just looks a bit dodgy because the, the CGI wasn't great back then, but it had to be done. So yeah. That's just a, a, I mean, a few more years and you wouldn't even notice. No, but it's just one of those blips that just has to be done. Mm-hmm. For fuck's sake, I'm believing there's dragons flying in the sky now. Um, there, there is? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, but no, no, you know what I mean? It's not like a... It's a blip, but you, everybody knows why. You know why, yeah. That's, so it wasn't like they all that production that, or per, yeah. Aye, they could yeah. have done that where it shows her talking, but yeah. from behind and all that for a whole scene, and you go, that looks weirder than yeah. putting the CGI head on there. Um, so that when you have that, so we're back to Junior. So Junior's kind of also, as well as Tony being influenced and led by the mother, by Livia. Livia's also doing the same to Junior. Yeah. She's so conniving and so um, devious in what she's doing. She's able to drop wee subtle hints, reminders, mm-hmm. things that are going to mm-hmm. that. It's amazing. It's like you can see that she's the wee flick of the, of the ball going down the spiral, but it's not then until you watch the person listening. Do you see the spiral in action? Or do you see them going, oh, 
maybe a fight. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it but came to like. she's pushing it that way the entire time. One of them being as bad as we should get rid of my son. <laughs> you know, that's like, this is the level she's at. There's like, maybe he should be taken out. But does it in such a way that it becomes Junior's idea? Yeah, you know he, it was? <laughs> he originally suggested it. Yeah. Uh, the You get the, there's a really good, in season one, there's a really good flashback episode where Tony gets to grips with seeing his father getting arrested. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, what was it supposed to be 60s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. Uh, and Tony, Tony's father and Junior, younger men, Played mm-hmm. by different actors, obviously. Uh, and a young boy, isn't Tony? And it shows the mother as well. And she's as bad. Yeah, back then, yeah. She's as bad as a young woman. Mm-hmm. As Just we yeah. see her. A lot of anger and a lot of, yeah, taking yeah. it out of the children. Um, this is a clip of Tony and Junior um, talking together. We'll just give you an idea of, uh, of what they were like together. I'm done already. It's good gravy today. Sad day. Mm-hmm. Kid was always a dumb fuck, though, wasn't he? <laughs> Didn't he almost drown in three inches of water? The penguin exhibit. Jack tried to lay off all Jackie's problems on a learning disorder, but... Well, stupidity would be a learning disorder, wouldn't it? Get <laughs> this crappy turner. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's worried about the crappy turnout at the funeral. Yep. Um... You can see some, not a lot, but there's some links between, and it's maybe it's because uh, it's quite a Catholic background to mm-hmm. all the family, um, the Italian families, that you can see a lot of similarities for ourselves, um, wakes and funerals yep. and things being done in three days and that sort of thing, you know. It's, um, and the family structure, but, I mean, the respect thing that is supposed to pass on. Mm-hmm. Um because we mentioned this in uh, in Goodfellas, where to open the books is to become a made man. So the family has to to make you, um, which means you're sort of untouchable and you're you're a bona fide member of the crew. And Junior and Tony, it's technically Junior who's going to be the only one who can open up the books. Mm-hmm. So I think the only one that they're they're dealing with that time is Christopher. Christopher. So Christopher is the only one really we see who hasn't been a made man. He's up and coming. Um, and like I say, he's the sort of protege as Tony sees it. Even though he's not family, even though he's not a nephew, Tony still foresees him to be the one that he's going to pass everything on to. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, at the start, he doesn't want this for AJ. He doesn't want it for his son. So he's moving on away from from the crime. But if we're going to talk about Christopher, then played by Michael Imperioli. Yep. Um, and he's probably got. The, the the what would you call it the hardest acting parts maybe in regards to his story lines and his arcs so Christopher is obviously he's the youngest so he's going to get a lot of ball breaking from the rest of the guys especially Polly but he's also got the, the drink and drugs and all the different things going on and all the different addictions and all the rest that's mm-hmm. going on so played very very well mm-hmm. uh, Michael Perioli is Spider in Goodfellas Yes. The guy that... Um, and we referenced the scene. The scene, yes, right. We talked about that. Uh, which I didn't notice until I watched the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the scene where um, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas shoot Spider in the foot is sort of uh, Christopher shoots a guy in the 
in the foot in the bakery, I think, or the, the store. Yeah, the, the guy's giving him shit because he's been waiting in line and he left and come back and somebody else is in the queue, which is Vito. It's Vito. Yeah. But he's not Vito in it yet. No. He's, uh, a, yeah. he's just a randomer. So then when he shoots him, he's like, you shot me in my foot. And then he, t- he gets whatever bagels and, and stuff. Yeah. And he walks to the door and goes, it happens. Yeah. Which is a great nod. It happened to me. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, engaged to, or going to be engaged to, to go out with uh, Adriana La Serva, played by Drea Di Matteo. Mm-hmm. Um, again, another fantastic female part um, uh, within the show, who... Again, I'm going to use the term long suffering. It's 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 a they do. Any of the women who end up marrying into the mafia seem to be you're going to be suffering, you're going to be cheated on, you're going to be maybe suffering domestic abuse, you're going to be doing all that, you know. Yeah, um, and she does have all that, but then you come into the other thing, which kind of was touched upon in other great mafia films as well, but doesn't really get into it is the FBI and things like that. Yeah, where you could be turned to be an informant and all that sort of stuff. So that plays a big part and Christopher's got a lot of shit to go on to deal with there. Uh, and sometimes just playing fucking Robin things. At times, you know? Yeah. Just playing criminal. Uh, you know, yeah. So they, uh, they have every element in there covered. A major, uh, a major part of the early episodes is the suspicion of a crew member informing mm-hmm. to the FBI. Um, and we were talking about this earlier about Bobby Altieri and there's a scene where everybody's playing cards <coughs> and the FBI busts in and everybody gets lifted. But this guy in particular gets out early and when he gets out early, uh, they suspect that it's because he's informing. There's only one way he would have got out that quick. Yeah. But it, the story's done so well that uh, uh, an FBI agent who Tony has on his payroll tells Tony, or not an FBI agent, he's a cop, tells Tony. It's it's a a, a character called Pussy, Bump and Zero. Big Pussy. He he tells him straight out it's Pussy, mm-hmm. and he still doesn't believe it. No. And they go ahead and sanction a hit on another of their crew members based on a suspicion. But in this moment of madness, they they Tony gets food poisoning and he has all these mental fever dreams. And it's because of his dreams that he realizes that he's wrong. I've never seen that on television before. Like The dream sequences are quite... <coughs> I mean, you're only talking maybe throughout the whole six seasons. You might have two, three. I might just be three, yeah. One is in the earlier sort of seasons, as that's when you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But then you get a a, a a bigger one in an episode, maybe 20 minutes long, which is a yes. really, really great um, section of, a, of an episode where it's completely um, eerie and, and, and kind of weird imagery and stuff. But that was the Billy, Big, uh, Billy Bass, the, the, thing, the singing fish. Singing fish. Which again, at that time when I was American in 2000, I bought that thing to bring home to mm-hmm. my dad. But then, fucking good sick of the bastard, let me see it. Uh, you can walk past it with the fucking thing singing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of, that imagery of that and, and, and Big Puss um, being the sort of, the link between. There was a massive link with 
Tony and animals. Yes. Um, the fish being one, uh, the ducks that would appear in his back garden. Um, and that sounds like, what the fuck's he doing with ducks? Yep. But again, you ha- you know, it doesn't... You really have to watch... If you, you don't... Really, if you don't, don't get it, yeah. yeah. It's, so the psychology of it all, and he... And this is the fucking ironic thing, is The ducks start the whole fucking thing. The ducks start it all off, the, 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 when they left the panic the attack, thing? but you can't explain that to somebody until they see it, because you have to understand that when you're looking at the psychology of something like that, you're trying to figure out why does this man care about a bunch of ducks flying off but last night he just shot a guy in the head and didn't think twice about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but here he is really, really freaking out freaking about out. a set of ducks. So that whole sort of, like, how does that psychology work is, is unreal. Um, so, I mean, we get to the point where you've got the other, what would you call them, capos. Mm-hmm. So captains within the, the Soprano family. Um you have Richie April, who would have been Jackie April's brother, who gets he, out of prison. He gets out of prison. Um, he starts making the noise. Is it Arma? No, I can't Ar- remember the name. Arma Lasante? No, it's not him. Um, I think you're pretty close. Is it Arma Lasante? I can't remember the, the guy. He was in um, Judge Dredd, I think, as well. I remember way back. Judge Dredd? Was he? Is that the guy? Was he in Judge Dredd? I th- if that's the same guy. We need to find out a name. We'll get there. See the amount of research we do there, folks. Um, There's too many characters. So many characters. Six seasons. Uh, who else do we have? We have... Um, David Proval. Close. Our man, my dick. Our man, my dick. It looks like him. But, uh, <laughs> we have Ralphie Saffaretto. Played by Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Joe Pantel- Pantoliano. One of the only guest characters to win an Emmy. Yes. Um, but again, I mean, but brilliant. brilliant actor, anyway. Um, if you don't know him, he's Matrix, uh, Bad Boys, and Rocky could go on all day. Uh, he's a great character actor and has played a lot so of many films, yeah. yeah. Um, but in this, he plays a particularly fucking sadistic fuck. Um, he was one of the captains and again becomes one of maybe um, a, a nemesis as such of Tony's mm-hmm. um, and probably one of the biggest shocks I got in the whole series was in regards to, to Richie which leads us nicely on to who he was going out with um, during uh, season four I think it was mm-hmm. which is Tony's sister so you have Janice who uh is one of two siblings that Tony has. He has another sister called Barbara. That Barbara doesn't really play a part in the in the show at all. Really, she sort you of see the her scene. in the early episodes. Yeah, you may see her funeral, or you may see her something. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. But Janice is the one that. I mean, she, her and Tony, the relationship between the two of them, it's it's uh, comical sometimes, but quite tragic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Janice returns towards the end of the mother's life, but has been away since she was 18. Janice appears at the start of season two, and she rekindles the relationship with the aforementioned Ralphie. Richie. Or Richie April, sorry. And something transpires there. Um, (laughs) And then um, Ralphie appears on the scene to take over Richie April's businesses. He's already been there, but he's sort of promoted, like Connor said. And then we've got 
the Ralphie show from here on in. Yeah. And Ralphie and Janice is another dangerous mix. <laughs> <laughs> Ralphie's just dangerous full stuff. But, Aye, but Janice, if you, then if you, you remember his in, sexual yeah. proclivity. Yes. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen that. I'd never seen that. No. Nor had I thought Not of it. Not like that. Or had I thought of it. I can imagine the no, the, couldn't the, even imagine it. <laughs> the the standard way of that being a thing, but not the way they were doing it. No, not the way they were doing it. Um, no. So yeah, again, back into the uh, if you looked into in the psychology, the 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 shit that Ralphie was into would explain a lot of the sociopathic tendencies they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one scene where Janice is having to pimp out Ralphie. Yeah, <laughs> will forever be etched in my mind. We'll just leave it right there, just in case you're eating your breakfast. Uh, you don't, you don't no. want to go too. You don't want, you don't want to go too deep on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! There it is. Ah, uh, there we go. There's the breakfast. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I mean, uh, Janice is there throughout. Um, she's. You do feel sorry for Janice. She's never really had any. In a way, uh, well, we, she has a bit of a dose. Uh, you want to, uh, no, as, as, as that's her own term for. She, Janice has also got the major traits of being an absolutely horrible bastard. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, and again, if we're going to look on this in the sexist sort of light, Tony's way worse. Yeah. <laughs> and you're in love with Tony. That's it. Yeah. But she's just being a bitch to try to get through life. Yeah. She's just going to survive. Yeah. And I'm saying. But you always know. This is the thing about her. At least one thing with Tony. He sort of wears his, uh, you know what he's doing. He wears his uh, heart in his sleeve at times. Yeah. Whereas Janice, there's always a fucking, there's always a, a always a, a sneaky fucking the motive. house, yeah. the vinyl it's always records, money. She's the, just it's fucking, something. Yeah. She's always. down fucking tapping in the basement through. Fucking Remember when Junior tell it that Mum has money somewhere? Yeah. Mum, she's looking for the she's money. She's down like, there. Just yeah. um, and played by Ada Turturro, who mm-hmm. just uh, is John Turturro's cousin. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so it's in it's in the family. Played very well, and um, but Ralphie is is sort of uh, the last. Uh, no, she's not. He's not the last. Bobby Pacleary is who Janice ends up with. Yeah, another. Uh, Started off as a sort of a light character, Bobby, who um, became sort of like a, a carer for Junior because Junior's sort of getting older and getting a wee bit more senile. Well, Ralph, uh, or R- Ralph was getting uh, a bit abusive and too big for his boots and um, Janice wasn't liking and Bobby's uh, wife passes away and a load of women are like at the li- lining up at the door to give Bobby dinners because... They're so overwhelmed by how emotional he is of having lost his wife. They've never seen it. They've never seen uh, one of the, the, the boys yeah. lose Being it emotional and, being, and yeah. actually acting like a human being at the loss of a partner. Of being in love. Yeah. Showing love, yeah. Uh, um, so, and, and Janice comes knocking down the mm-hmm. door, basically kicking his children out of the way mm-hmm. to, to snare him. <laughs> and it's horrible and impressive it's all at the same, same time. time yeah. Um, but the, the fact that he 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 knows what's going on, but they're yeah, he's just going along with. He's just going along. He's easy going, and it's not you know. And I love Bobby, uh, and he and uh, I think we'll we'll mention him later on, and and maybe a couple episodes. But yeah, so you've got that. The the the, the these are the capos, if you want to call. It. That's what they're called, and the crew. So that's, they're a captain, and 
you can be a, a a big earner, but you have to be promoted to captain. And this is one of the things about um, the big problem between Ralphie and, and Tony is that Ralphie's passed over yeah. at one point, and you kind of see that power struggle at all times. And and uh, back again to animals, Tony buys a racehorse, a little Ralphie, mm-hmm. and you can see again you've never seen anything of as much. Ignite as much passion in Tony than a fucking animal. Yeah. There's a boat, you know, no human does that to him, whatever it is. So there's a, the link there again. Um, the other enemies then you have uh, as such is uh, the sort of link with the New York families. Mm. Um, the main link being Johnny Sack, Johnny Sacramone, who uh, is sort of acting boss of one of the families from New York, little care or Carmine Libertazzi. He's Carmine's right hand man. Right hand man. Yeah. Because his consulary is, um, Alf- isn't it the, what do you call him? Alphonse? Oh, uh, yeah. The yeah. guy was in prison with Tony yeah. B. Yeah. Uh, who's Steve Buscemi's character. But anyway, the he's in prison, so he was his consigliere. But I think uh, Johnny Sack took over the mantle. Yeah. But Johnny Sack has eyes for the prize. Like, yeah. Uh, Carmine has a son. Little Carmine. Little Carmine. Who just lives in, in Florida. In Florida and yeah. like hosts wet t-shirt competitions and stuff. <laughs> but at the sniff that his father is maybe on the way out or there is going to be a power struggle is trying to throw his hat in the ring as well. Yeah. Uh, and you did mention there Steve Buscemi and that's, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know a TV show has got strength when someone on the line, Steve Buscemi, just comes in uh, to do a part. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got, I just, just get Steve in here. Uh, playing Tony Blondetto, Tony B. Tony B. Who was Tony Soprano's uh, cousin, who got arrested. And this is all, again back to the psychology of it, who got arrested um, while carrying out a heist and ended up serving 15 years. A heist that Tony Soprano was supposed to also turn up to, but didn't. Yes. Um, because he was... Uh, Stopped by the cops, and that's what he think, said. Was he what he said, or no? He was, or he was he jumped, maybe. Yeah, he was jumped. He was, jumped, he was jumped. Um, and as the time goes on, it transpires that he's racked with guilt because it was an actual panic attack that stopped him from going on the heist. Uh, but again, a sign of weakness. Right, and and this, we should point that out. I mean, it's a big thing about weakness. You talk about we talk about Bobby there crying at the funeral of his wife. Mm-hmm. You should cry at the funeral of your wife, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe tears of joy but you should be crying you know matter what um but what those guys know no that's big johnny weakness. sack johnny sack crying, crying at his daughter's, daughter's wedding. wedding yeah and all the guys are like he's weeping like a woman yeah that's unfunny <laughs> to me yeah but the one that shocked me now ron this is where we're going to get a wee bit now go for it a wee bit controversial now so if you're listening and it's uh we're an hour and 15 in so i think we're past the watershed and the, the the sign of weakness of of the the mafia men um, carrying out certain tasks on a woman. No, no, I'm with you on this. You see, I did not know that was a sign of weakness. I'm I'm a friend of yours on this topic because now, if that you know, basically, I don't want to be vulgar, but going downtown. You know, is frowned upon, apparently... Uh, Lady Lovin. Lady Lovin, from the garden. Without the sausage. Is not allowed. Is not allowed. It's a sign of weakness. And now, 
Now, if that was a sign of weakness, I should be in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, do you know what? Do you know what I mean? That's we, I, weak as water. I I'm weak as water. I just I like eating. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad. What's wrong, man? But that again, it was sort of like something never talked about in anything else before. This pride no, and this male sort of we are so alpha we won't even yep. venture there. But it's so fucking twisted and perverted sort of th- way of thinking. But it was so old-fashioned that that is such a height of weakness. So then, when one of Junior's love interests happens to let it slip uh, at her local nail salon that Junior liked to frequent, yep, the Lady Garden the odd time. Well, what 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 happens is is that it sort of became a, a ball-breaking thing. That became a, yeah. a sign of he was an absolute weakling and he's doing this, even though the Junior was talking to his lady. She was talking about how good he was at it. Yeah. Um, he was just sort of avoiding it. Like, I don't want to talk about it after I've done it. Yeah. It's weak. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. Never, never knew it. Never knew it. Um, and they mercilessly, and if you look through the story, that essentially starts a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That whole thing, yeah. Like, that gets, that, that, that thing, starts, yeah. uh, besides the, the revelation that Tony is in therapy. That kickstarts Junior's effort to g- attack a certain person, mm-hmm. and it's massive. Yeah, that shifts the storyline. Season two starts, and you, it's a whole different story. Yeah, and uh, it, it uh, yeah, it, it's something that uh, I just I never thought about. And, no, um, I'm all right now. Mm-hmm. I'm grand, thanks. But <laughs> at the time, you know, I thought Jesus. Is it, they they take it that serious, you know. And again, it's back to the, the sort of misogyny of it all, you know. Yeah. Um, even poor Carmela says to Tony, you know, Tony's involved in all the slagging, and she happens to say, you, you basically get the the crux of the thing, which is she does get it, but only once a year on her birthday. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's and it's like even that's the fucking ultimate ultimate. Do not let anybody know that that happens. Yeah. Even though you're my wife, don't let that let know. Yeah. Um, so it shows you it's sort of uh, it's sort of that male bravado bullshit, and it's it's kind of like what that to the end we knew. Yeah, of, you of, knew what that uh, background of that type of organization of men or or what their their thinking is, and especially in regards to women, we talked already about them sort of treating them as, as property and as merchandise. Uh, it's it's continues the whole way through it. It really exposes them as being poor in that light. Mm-hmm. Um, even when it comes to their own daughters, uh, to a certain extent, they're yeah. not as yeah, not as protective maybe as they should be or whatever you know. And it's or maybe overprotective, but not in the right way. You know, there's just a lot of things and a lot of flaws, and that's what we like about the show. It shows all the flaws to them. Well, do you want to maybe talk about the episodes that we think sort of typifies this whole? Because if we keep going on about characters, yeah. this, this really is going to... Well, we we, we haven't we, even touched some have, families. We haven't uh, even touched... No. There's twin brothers. There's there's you know there's a whole host of... We haven't even talked about Artie. Artie, yeah. Artie Buckle. Which uh, is the central thread of the whole TV show, food. Yeah. And Artie's the chef. Who's providing the food. Who has unfortunate yeah. things happen to him 
every yeah. fucking season. He has also uh, childhood friends with Tony. Yeah. Which um, brings another element that you'd never seen from a mafia boss before, which is what were they like at high school? Mm-hmm. Who were their mates? Who yep. did they, you know, that's, this is a, so it's a whole new take on that. Um, well, before we go into we'll give a wee, because we love talking with Polly, I found the, the Polly on uh, his wise musings on uh, snakes. Okay. You want to take a look? Uh, this is, I mean, genius level thinking here. I don't know what this... Tell me if you think, uh, if you agree. Amazing thing about snakes is that they reproduce spontaneously. What do you mean? They have both male and female sex organs. That's why somebody you don't trust, you call a snake. How can you trust a guy who can literally go fuck themselves? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think that expression will come from the Adam and Eve story? When the snake tempted Eve to bite the apple? Hey. Snakes were fucking themselves long before Adam and Eve showed up. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, Polly! Polly just pearls of wisdom oh, at all times. Um, so yeah, that's at sometimes that for me. That's why I showed that clip. Sometimes um, there are standout bits for me. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm not very good at pinpointing episodes, except for maybe two or three that I really, really. We'll rewatch, rewatch. Um, it's because it's just one of those shows, and whenever it's on, I can watch it no matter when it's. Yeah, I agree. Well, no matter what season it's on, it's still uh, as good. Uh, for me, the, the the number one for me is Pine Barnes, which is quite well liked by a lot of people, um, and it usually appears in most people's top ten. But for me, it's for number one. Um, yeah, it it it's the sort of if you've never watched the show and. Like we were talking about, the people that we sort of have uh, reservations about watching it, either because they just don't want to get into it now, too many people say it's the best, so they just don't want to bother and they're being thran as fuck, or they just have no interest at the minute. You know, sometimes your your interests just aren't absolutely honed that sometimes way. You're it takes just me fucking ten years I, to watch something. I mean, man, if somebody at the door, man, here. Heard about this new TV show was but boys raping each other in prison. You'd be like, no, man, I'm going to give that a wee. But I, I, I kind of back to what you were saying earlier on. I, I kind of have a threshold of about four to five people that I'm going, right, if I've heard a recommendation from those four to five, I'm going, right, I need to watch this. Right, yeah. dig in. Like, yeah. So the most recent one being Mindhunter, which I haven't got watching yet, but I know so many people who went, go and watch that. I'm like, okay, that's grand. Um, but people I trust. It's not me mad tell me, you know what I mean? I. Uh, <laughs> That season eighty four, only fools and horses, is still one of my favorites. Don't chat now. Don't chat because uh, there's a bit of controversy now because we have a listener um, who who is disgusted that we thought Faulty Tires was better than Only Fools and Horses. Are they elderly? No, they're like young. Is it? Uh, let, let me let me get. Okay, they're young. They're pretty stupid. They're stupid, yeah. It's one of your brothers, isn't it? It probably is. <laughs> it's either my fucking brother or your brother, and no. I know it's not my brother because no. he didn't say it to me. It's my brother, yeah. So it's uh, Young Cheese. Oh. Who will be on the road now, probably listening as we speak. Um, yeah, says, you know, only if and horses are better. But you know what I mean? As you say, stupid. Um, Fuck you, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> only joking. Sorry, Cheese. I'm not. But, no, we're not. Uh, it does be, I mean, and... and uh, and it, as you say, a show like this sometimes needs a bit of 
you shouldn't need pushing towards it. No, you shouldn't. There's enough um, critical acclaim. There's enough awards. There's enough numbers, if you want to call it that, of people yeah. watching yeah. box sets sold and the rest. It's not something that is cliche. No, or you sorry, cliche Niche uh, for ourselves. And it's, it's not cliche of me to say that it is one of the best. But if you have to, simply have to sell someone on it, Pine Barnes is where you start. Yeah, because it's got everything. It's got a really great standalone story. It's just a one, yeah. It could, it could, it does, as you say, stand. It could stand by itself on against any of the best episodes of any TV show. Oh, oh, without um, a shadow of a doubt. It's so you've got a couple of arcs happening, but one of the main crux of it is Chrissy and Polly have to take a a Russian guy out to a place called Pine Barrens. They have to go and collect money. They have to go and collect money off. Tony's him, trying to get them both <laughs> to fucking wise up and stop fighting with each other and grow up. And he, in a moment where he sort of knocks Polly down a wee bit, he tells Polly to go along with Christopher to collect this money of this Russian guy who he has already been dealing with. You see him in a few episodes. Uh, Valeri. So they turn up <laughs> and the boys are gabbing away at each other flat out already. And one of the, my favorite quotes is where Christopher goes, you know, I don't mind the Russians. And Polly says, what about the Cuban Missile Crisis? They went into Cuba and pointed nuclear missiles right at us. And Christopher goes, that really happened? I thought that was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then the two boys just look at the door and knock the door again. And then Valeri opens the door. A fight ensues. They have the money, like. Yeah. But they still have an argument with an them. An argument, that's the thing. Because Paulie's being thrashed because he had to do yeah. grunt work. Yeah, he doesn't like doing work, so he fucking had an argument with them. So like Connor says, they end up fucking hitting him and they think they've busted his windpipe. So they wrap him up on a rug <laughs> and they're about to take him out to Pine Bar and shoot him and bury him. Yeah. So what happens then? <laughs> they get out there and uh, they open the boot and hey presto, he's not dead. He's not dead. And uh, so they have to try and take care of him there and then. And of course, the Russian being the Russian... He's in the middle of... That's the other thing about Pine Barns, if you point out, is that it's, uh, it's in winter, so it's in deep snow. It's in um, South Jersey, which they say like it's in fucking on the moon. Yeah. And it's only a few mile away, but it it, it does look like it's it on does, the moon. It like looks like it's a, it, it's totally a completely in the different of country. Uh, in the snow, and they lose this Russian who eventually gets away from them. So they have this uh, a chase, a hunt for this Russian in the middle of the... But there's so many factors. Yeah, there's They so shoot things. him, you clearly see him being shot in the head, yeah. but he still runs away. Yeah. He, they, they completely fall apart instantly. <laughs> and it's And just, the Russian, obviously, because he's and the Russian so, can't so be used found. to the fucking cold, it doesn't phase him at all. And we, we, we come to find out that there's a blood trail, obviously, from being shot, and it stops, but there's no body. So it's a fucking deer, isn't that? <laughs> this mystery starts to just unfold. But there's a line which I won't be able to remember verbatim. But Tony says something about they they manage to get through. It's an entire episode based around poor mobile phone signal. Yeah, yeah. And they can barely get through to Tony. And when they do, Tony's ringing them because he's just been to Valeri's boss, who's like in bits because this guy like. Was his friend from home? Oh, serves in the fucking Ukrainian and, army together, and, 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 he, and, he, and he's like he saved his, his life. He saved his life, yeah. and he, he was such a human being. But he turned to alcohol, and he's yeah. just gone to shit a bit. It just adds attention so much it more to these more. two fucking. And they're like, "Have you killed him? Is he on his way back here to tell them what's going on, or where is he?" And Tony explains to them that this guy <laughs> was like a 
he was in special forces mm-hmm. and he killed like 16 Chechnyan rebels <laughs> and he was a member of the interior ministry and what Pauly hears is he killed 16 Czechoslovakians <laughs> and he's an interior decorator <laughs> and Christopher goes his apartment looked like shit <laughs> and this is where you're in this is in the middle of like a murder mystery and in, in, in an episode of a TV show that's already got 40 yeah, different threads loads of things going on. Wrong, like, yeah. But this wee moment starts to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you too much more if you haven't seen it. If you have, you know what happens. But it's just the most enjoyable hour. Yeah. Of, of you, you know that when the next episode starts, we're going to go back to whatever was happening. Yeah. Nothing here is going to affect anything. No, but, but it just adds a wee bit more dimensions. Yeah, a couple more dimensions to each character as it goes in. So many standout minutes or moments of it, and but uh, the <laughs> when Bobby Bacchieri appears, this so is what I was going. <laughs> they're 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 going to try and uh, they they get completely lost. They're in the middle of fucking nowhere in the snow, freezing. Poor Polly's lost her shoes. Yep, they're they, lost. They've no food. They're lost, and it's getting dark, and they don't know how to get back to their van. This phone signal won't work, so they know they have to they're sort charged. of send they're out. They're sitting in a nice shitty van. They have to send out the sort of search party, the 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 call to Tony, who goes and gets uh gets prepared, and he comes to collect Bobby Bacleary, who Bobby is a, Bobby Bacleary looks after Junior. Yeah, and he's such a big gentle giant, like, but he. He does go hunting. Hunting is his thing, and that's, that's what he normally does. So now he wouldn't have rang Bobby unless he knew that. Yeah. So he he knew that Bobby would be useful in some way because they're going to South Jersey. Yeah. This is a million miles away. This is a different world. So he's going there because he knows the land, the terrain. Yeah. And this is the thing because you should point out as well that uh, typical fucking mobsters, Christopher and Polly land in pine barns in the middle of the forest yeah. with a full on fucking long coat and the, the wing fucking tips po- and the, the wingtip <laughs> shoes and the fucking whole that they're not dressed for going out and no. you know so uh so on and on, on, on when they are gathering up to go and meet um at junior's house tony is waiting for bobby to appear and it's the first time i think you genuinely see uh tony soprano slash james gildon feeney absolutely creased himself with laughter Yep, uh, and that's when Bobby appears in because Bobby's got the full regalia. Bobby's been in Crawford Wilson's, you know. What I mean, he's he fine. He's robbed. got the fucking boots, the, the trousers, he's the, got the camo boots, the, cam- the camo everywhere, and then he's got the high vis orange. orange fucking body warmer, and he's got the duck hat, the duck hat. Uh, he just looked absolutely. But do perfect. you know uh, in the commentary on the DVD? Uh, I and I think I know what you're going to say. Do you know what, why what he's laughing? It? He's laughing so hard <laughs> because um, Bobby's character, Steve Sharipa, the actor, who's a stand-up comedian as well, mm-hmm. he um, he went to the prop master and goes, listen, yeah. I have to make Gandolfini boss his side. It's in the script that he laughs continuously yeah. at how he looks anyway because he looks so ridiculous just, just walking. Because them guys don't dress like they that. They don't dress like that, so he know, looks like a cartoon character coming in. So he comes. And it's he Gandolfini. Can, Gandolfini warns him. You better make me laugh tomorrow. Uh, you better, there you go. Yeah. You better make me laugh. So he walks in. Uh, he gets the prop master to give him a big mad dildo. Mm-hmm. And he walks in with the dildo hanging out of his treasure. And because it's shot only from the waist up, yeah. you don't see it. You don't see it, but he does. And that's what but he him. sees it. Yeah. And that Gandolfini busts his whole laugh. And it's the it's the most natural laugh. Yeah. You'll never. And I I have to say, even when I first watched it, and on rewatching it, I only found that out like this week about the dildo. Oh, really? Thing. Yeah. So... 
I'm back after rewatching it again. I'm back because it stands out as being one of Tony's most human moments. Yeah, it's honest. He's really, really mm. buckled, just laughing. But it, if he didn't know the dildo story, it just adds to the whole Bobby yeah. thing because it just is so ridiculous. I'm looking, but it's exactly and he's what's raging that he's laughing. At him, I know, but, but it's exactly what's, it's, it's exactly what's needed. <laughs> To go fucking find these yeah, guys is to be dressed like that. Of but, course. Yeah. But it's just, it just looks so absurd. It's only a leather jacket and a pair of fucking jeans. Yeah. Or uh, so, yeah, just uh, that scene always, always gets me. Um, uh, you know, you've gone, uh, we, we could we could drag on that, but uh, Pine Barns definitely is, is where I would send somebody as the sort of, as you say, the standalone one that's not really going to give too much of a story away. No. Um, and doesn't really link in with the rest of uh, the, the story arcs. Mm-hmm. But, you, your favorite? Like, I mean, we're sort of both in agreement, but my 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 top three, Pine Barnes is there. The other two are both for more emotional reasons. To be honest, mm-hmm. they're good. They're good stories. It's a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but the episode, um, long term parking is heartbreaking because, and I'm gonna have to say it. Yeah, spoiler. Uh, Adriana. Uh, who is Christopher's fiance? Finally, uh, comes clean and tells Christopher uh, something, something, mm-hmm. uh, which we have to say only comes after Christopher showing doubt about his role yeah. in this family. Uh-huh. It is then that Christopher has to make a decision about following the footsteps of his crime family. Yeah, his uncle, his fiance, or his or his, his family. Fiance. Yeah, and he goes with his his family, his family, family. Yeah, and unfortunately, Adriana has to the mighty dread Mateo. Like unreal. Every fucking time she's in an episode, you're just she's a water. Uh, that's on that the woman. Performance is. was top class because she's especially towards the later part of the seasons where she's racked with nerves and anxiety yeah, and all like the rest. She's got she's irritable really bowel syndrome yeah, because yeah. of the stuff that's happening with. She's physically sick when she's informed of what will happen to her if uh, she doesn't cooperate with the FBI. It's like a horrible, horrible, yep. horrible. And the way she's playing it, and you feel so bad for her, and for this to then end up coming to uh, an inevitable conclusion, which is done, like you said, brilliantly, not the last episode. Mm, well, we'll come to that. So my favorite episode is the episode called University, yes. which again is another sort of heart-wrenching one. It's it's the first time I watched an episode of The Sopranos and was very aware of how women are treated in the yeah. TV show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you referenced earlier, a stripper uh, comes to Tony to thank him uh, early on in the episode for telling her to take her son to the doctor for what she suspects he has. And Tony forgets that he even told her. Mm-hmm. Because these people aren't real people, too. No, they're just property, like I say. They're, yeah. they're just property, like yep. you said. So, this girl's really sweet, and she never takes anything to heart, and she just sort of smiles and laughs it off. But she's a stripper in a strip club. Yeah. Uh, but I think the braces thing, the, the braces the, thing makes it sort of is the braces. childish. Thing, I, yeah. you, get the, you get the whole. She's not. Yeah, that, she can't be a diff- dissimilar age to Meadow. No, she's not far off. Yeah, metal, but this stage is like 18, 19. She has to be yeah. pretty bang yeah. on. And I think that's what Tony's saying in her is yes. just metal, yeah. Um, now, again, I don't I don't really want to explain. If you haven't seen this episode, you really should watch this episode, but you'll remember it if you did. But it then juxtaposes with Meadow 
having her first sexual encounter with that knobhead um, and the the crazy roommate who's having meltdown after meltdown after meltdown yeah, about yeah. every single wee thing yeah. that happens to her. So Meadow's life is, oh, everything's just so inconvenient for me. And this wee girl's like, oh, well, I'm just getting like molested and butchered and battered and fucking, yeah. you know, all this to make sure that men th- see me this certain way. And it, there, there's a horrible end to all of this. But it, it brought me to this article uh, that this woman wrote about this episode in particular that I hadn't seen before. Right. And there's a paragraph, and it pretty much sums up the whole fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It says, The irony is that to consider Sopranos a show by men, for men, and about men is to miss its most, its most compelling element. Its genius lies in its sly ability to trick its viewers into watching a series that under its tough guy guise is really a careful consideration of inherited trauma, mental illness, toxic masculinity, and motherhood. Women are an intrinsic part of the story, the most important part. From Tony's fearsome wife to the looming shadow of his mother and even se- and even several seasons after her death, women run this entire show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's bang on. Yeah, there's so many. As much as they are mafia and arrest, there are so many oh, for key female sake. performances in that. Um, even the gumas, even even Tony's uh, they, they women hold the side. They, 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 yeah. they sit as ghosts over yeah. him all the time. Like. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that is bang on. There's yeah. so much in this. Um, and because... Back to the psychology of it, it's in every element, you know, back to the AJ going through puberty and going through high school and mm-hmm. struggling with then feeling panic attacks himself, you know, so this sort of idea that it, it's hereditary, that it's been passed on, he's learned this from his father, you know, there's a lot of a lot of elements going on that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing about it. Most people we know, only, only most, aren't involved in organized crime. You know what I mean? So it's not a life that they're used to. It's not something, it's almost a fantasy land. But then you've got the fantasy mixed in with reality. Mm. Because then you can see parts going, oh, I can relate to that, but Yeah. You know, and so that was... That I was, know that, that. Yeah, that was that the genius link. of it. Like. Um, we've, I mean, we're going to try and uh, finish up <laughs> if we have to. Yeah, because... Mainly because somebody's going to put us out. We've missed a lot of stuff, but we haven't We haven't missed it. You've missed it. If yeah. you haven't... If you haven't seen it, you really are, are, are losing out. Um... I, I, I just because I, I love Jim Gandolfini as, as um, those who knew him call him, but James Gandolfini um, unfortunately passed away in 2013. The, 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 the bizarre part of all this is in this last week I've been watching a lot of the, like, like I was telling you earlier, just rabbit holes of clips. The clips end up going to uh, award acceptance speeches. Mm-hmm. And nearly all of his award acceptance speeches for The Sopranos, he talks about his son. His actual son in real life, Michael. Yeah, Michael, yeah. Unfortunately, Michael found his dad when he had the heart attack in Rome. Right. James Gandolfini was lying dead and Michael Gandolfini walked in on him. Okay. Um, in subsequent interviews with Michael Gandolfini, Michael Gandolfini has said he never watched The Sopranos and he hasn't watched The Sopranos, but he now has to because Michael Gandolfini has been cast as young Tony Soprano. Ah. In the new uh, The Saints of Newark right. uh, movie, prequel about uh-huh. The Sopranos, which is done by David Chase and right. Alan Taylor's involved in mm-hmm. uh, The Many Saints of Newark, sorry, it's called. Yeah. So it's sort of in full circle. But what I've read about James Gandolfini was there was a lot of uh, controversy. The guy got involved in a bit of drinking drugs yeah. at the start of The Sopranos. 
but the only record of that is from a aggrieved wife who was divorcing him in their divorce papers. Yeah. So I'm sort of mm. everybody else, and I mean everybody else who worked with him, adored him. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a great. Uh there's a great documentary on YouTube. It was obviously shown on an American channel, um, Remembering James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it goes through all the cast of Sopranos, but also then anybody that starred in films with them subsequently. Um, Brad so, Pitt, the whole shebang. Yeah, everybody um, was like, best guy ever. Julia Dreyfus, mm-hmm. one of our uh, favorites. Um, again, just wax lyrical about him um, and about the process and about how nice of a guy he was. So there seemed to be a lot of... Uh, genuine hurt yeah and, and down to earth uh, there was a yeah. few interviews i read where he was like saying he, he rarely did interviews and when he did he played himself off as the i'm just a fat dumb guy from jersey yeah always humble. i don't know how always, i got here yeah. i don't know the work he, he paid his money back he was involved in a lot of charities and when he got a bonus for the sopranos um and it was coming near the last few seasons and the cast all went on strike he agreed to share his bonus amongst the cast mm-hmm. so he gave them all like 33 grand each Mad. Just, just yeah, to play because he, did, he didn't give a fuck. Yeah, the, the work he did with American vets as well, the veterans, mm-hmm. um, and just the work, uh, going out to visit him and, and Iraq and stuff like that. So he was a good guy, and uh, even some things you would have heard and within the interview David Chase said about it was hard to see him play Tony Soprano because Soprano was such a bad guy mm-hmm. uh, at his core, and and Jim wasn't. He was just a, a good guy, so it was it was even higher level of acting if you want to call that. Um, so we're going to get to the end. The end. The end. So, I mean, any listeners there who were involved in the uh, upset or whatever around the ending of Game of Thrones, go and lick my ball back. <laughs> yeah, you've really got something coming if you haven't seen this. You don't know. And again, this is kind of like back to what I said about it's only people who watch Breaking Bad at a certain point and know what you if you've If you're complaining about an ending of a show now, well, then you have never seen Sopranos. No. Because... Uh, Easily the weirdest ending ever. Yeah. Um, I can't give anything away because there's nothing to give away. That's all I can no, say. No, there's nothing to give away. Um, just, but part of me now in later years, at the time I was like, is that it? <laughs> of course. At me, the time me, I was like, you and everything. I think me and you, te- there the wasn't whole, WhatsApp then. It was there was text. no WhatsApp. There was no, and this is the other thing, Twitter wasn't there. No, no, no. It would have sent fucking oh, Jesus meltdown. Jesus Absolute. Word. Internet would have broke. On that night, whenever that had been, it had been broadcast, it nearly did, as is, just with the amount of reviews and the amount of chat rooms and forums and all the rest. Um, but it now, when I watched it, I'm like, I, I get yeah. it, I totally get it, I totally, especially because so many shows that came afterwards that maybe had a closure or had an ending or had a. I love the fact that you don't know, yeah. like you have to decide as the audience member who has invested your time over six seasons you have to invest your imagination into the end well I'll, i have a theory but i'll tell you off and anybody wants to know message me and i don't want to say anything about it because it, we talk too much about what actually happens right but the, the end itself caused so much controversy that new york times posted a fucking cartoon with like a gun coming out of the tv and shooting a person in the head and it was like this is how the sopranos treats its audience yeah, it was like, a, yeah, as if there was you, a fuck you didn't you to get them. it? Yeah, you didn't get it. And at the time, I didn't get it because you're conditioned to need an ending. You're conditioned to the closure because that's the way it was yeah. always done. But when you had this done, and, and the way it was done, so we can call it what it is, was a black screen. It just cut mm-hmm. to black. 
but it was the timing of it. It wasn't done in a nice, like, wide shot. It wasn't done. In a, no, no, it no. was just done mid Quick action. Cut. Yep. Bang, done. Mm-hmm. And and that action wasn't even anything important. It was just no somebody walking. You know, so I just thought that that was very very well done and very um, fitting of the show in general to show you vested your time in this. You decide yourself where you want to go yeah. without needing to be led there. Because look what happened. Game of Thrones. People were led there and they didn't like it. Yeah, <laughs> and you don't get an alternative. They genuinely wanted to rewrite it. Oh, fuck! I cringe when I hear that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> imagine this. Uh, I know, I know. But uh, uh, them uh, breaking uh, bad bastards. That's what it is. Well, here's here's the thing. Because if I had to just fucking just let it be, all them hers would have been out still fucking watching Love Island. Yeah, but the link, the link there. Uh, that, that's good. You said Breaking Bad because what came out of the Sopranos? What literally came out of the Sopranos was Mad Men, Boardwalk Empire, Dexter, Dexter. Uh, again, and Game of Thrones. Tim mm-hmm. Van Patten directed a few episodes of Game. That's he directed right. the first episode of Game first of Thrones. First episode, yeah. So you know all these really, really influential writers who the episodes we've talked about. It's not a coincidence that they're all written by the same people and directed by the same people. Yeah. Uh, there, there were standout moments in this show, but the, and and don't get it wrong, Employee of the Month, Whitecaps. You know, all there's all these other oh, n- like huge episodes, yeah. big episodes, but. And some great, I mean, a lot of satire. I mean, it talk, it talk, yeah. it tackle some really heavy political things and, mm. and big sort of social messages too. And they they're, they they cover so many different serious topics that are mm. that are kind of taboo, um, including rape and things, you know, and the, the effects of post-traumatic stress. And then it's back to like... Gentrification in neighborhoods. Yeah. And suburbs, you know, it's... What's justice? Yeah, is justice as vigilantism? You know all those things, and it's it's so layered, multi multi layers to it that um, it does take rewatching a couple of times because you're like, I picked up every time I watch them, I pick up something new. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, because it it's not said it's fast paced, but it's just there's a lot of information, a lot of things going on that are so relevant. You can miss them and still enjoy the show to be in some extent. Yeah. That's the thing. That's how that's how good it was done, and don't forget, um, in real life, the mafia were being wiretapped by the FBI, and we're talking about the Sopranos. <laughs> we're talking about they must have somebody in the inside writing for them because they've got it too good; it's too close. <laughs> and then remember the episode about the Don doesn't wear shorts. Mm-hmm. That's a real quote. Right. A guy, an associate, a wise guy, uh, came up to David Chase and said to him in the first episode, "You're." Your your main guy's out the, with a barbecue and he's got the shorts on. He says, Don, don't wear shorts. Yeah. So they put it in an episode where uh, Cameron Lupertazzi, who's the, the head of the New York family, tells Tony, I see you're out at a barbecue. Don, don't wear shorts. Yeah. And Tony has to sit there with another psychological weight on his mind. Of, mm-hmm. No, I can't do these certain things. But yeah. that's how big it was. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, and and again, there are things you just don't think about. It's just no? the wee sort of the, the nuance uh, of it all. It's just fascinating. Uh, okay, well, listen, I think we have we've shot our wad. <laughs> we have we have blown Man, a blown, weeks of wad. A weeks of wad. Uh, weeks of wad. <laughs> yes, well, we're 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 rightly on, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think at this point we should maybe just let you go and and do it yourself. Um, if you if you haven't, please please go and and listen. Um, but let's be honest, you haven't got this far into the thing without having watched it uh, into this podcast. So hopefully, 
in a year's time when you're listening to this, it's because you've just watched six seasons of Sopranos. So There's a sweet spot. Not yeah. every TV show kicks off minute one, first episode, oh, and you get chance. it. Like, no, no. There's no. going to be a sweet spot where you're going to get like the third or fourth episode, and you're going to go, hold on a minute. Mm. I didn't, like Game of Thrones, I, I was going to give up on it until season three. Really? You it, went that it, far? It, it, it took me that far. I got into season three, or season two, and I thought, oh, I don't know about this. And then season three kicked in, I was like, all right, okay, how long? It's coming. And, you know, so I was able to give it that. That was before, again, it, it picked up to be yeah. massive and all the rest. But it took that wee while to start. And, yeah, yeah like any TV show, you have to give it that grace. But mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I genuinely don't think it needs that long. I think it needs two, three episodes. Did you realize this is not the normal mafia type of shtick, no. if you want to call it no, that? No, no, no. Um, so please do go and take a look at that. Uh if you're not interested in watching all six seasons or you don't have access to it, go and try and see where you can see Pine Barrens or University mm-hmm. um, and or the parking lot. Um, and Long-term parking. Long-term parking, sorry, I was thinking of Seinfeld. You're thinking of Seinfeld. Um, and go and take a look and uh, maybe that'll swing you towards uh, the watching the full thing. Or Whitecaps, which is the best scene of acting between Carmela and Tony you'll ever see. Of what you're convinced a couple is actually having an argument and beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, you're. Uh, yeah. It's genuinely unbelievable. Proper, and, and it won both of them an Emmy. Yeah, and uh, no matter what, I'm just going to play this because I just love him. Um, little Stevie uh, is just one thing you'll learn from watching Sopranos is uh, you never play poker with Sill under any circumstances. What the fuck could you possibly have? Incredible luck. You're telling me, you miserable fuck. Hmm. Better check. Don't rush me, sunshine. You're rushing me all fucking night. Yeah, he didn't study this hard in school. John, please, the bet's not to you. Good. Dealer controls the game. Thank you. Do you fucking mind? Hmm. Jesus, do you ever shut the fuck up? And blow that fucking smoke somewhere else. Hmm. What the fuck are you doing? Zill, take it easy. I'm losing my balls over here. This fucking moron's playing Hazel. Get the fuck out of here! I was just trying to sweep the cheese away from Why? You. Why now? <laughs> Leave it there! I don't know, I was just... What? Where do you get these fucking idiots, huh? Where do you get them? He's, I'm, he's sweeping the cheese, I'm trying to get the... Leave the fucking cheese there, alright? I love fucking cheese at my feet. I stick motherfucking provolone in my socks at night so they smell like your sister's crotch in the morning. Alright? So leave the fucking cock-sucking cheese where it is! Here, here, here. Have a good time. <laughs> and he's reserved. <laughs> and he's reserved. He's a reserved one. <laughs> uh, kind of reminiscent of the spider scene in uh, yeah. Goodfellas. Uh, listen, please do. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in as always. And um, thanks for uh, struggling through the, the, the epic that is uh, The Sopranos with us. We knew it was going to be a big one, and it is. And uh, thank you very much for, for staying in. And we'll be back next week. Uh, Please like and subscribe and do all that usual shit that we always ask you to do. Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that. Aye, all those things. And um, and if you don't, well then, you know, uh, fuck you. But, uh, aye. Um, but fuck them. Sti- but we still love you. Fuck them. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> Matey, I'm going to say that's my new one. That's the new thing. So we're going to say goodbye from me and it's... Fuck them. From him. Good luck. <laughs>